Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. What's up, Creekwood? Happy Father's Day. Man, I'm so excited to be with you on this special day. I just want to give a quick shout out to all my dads. You guys are doing an incredible job, and we are so thankful for you. I want to say happy Father's Day to my dad, David Hink. I love you. I appreciate you. Happy Father's Day, Dad. You know, you may be asking, Desi, what are you doing in this gym? Well, as I thought about what it meant to be a father, as I thought about what it meant to be a man, to to lead his family, to be a dad, one word that came to my mind was the word strength. And actually, Paul, in his admonition to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, states this. He says, be alert and stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. I remember the first time I realized that my dad was the strongest man in the world. We lived out in South Texas on some land near the hill country. If you know anything about the hill country, there's a lot of rock out there. As we were clearing the land, we came across what in my five-year-old little brain was a ginormous boulder. I remember my dad stooping down and picking up this giant rock, and I was so amazed. And as he picked up this rock, he set it in the wheelbarrow, and it was so heavy that it actually flattened the tire of the wheelbarrow. And I could, was so amazed. I thought, man, my dad is the strongest man in the world. And as I thought about that, what a great illustration of what it is to be a dad. Because I think the reality is, as dads, we carry a tremendous amount of weight. We've all heard the positive statistics of what happens to a child when, when a dad is in the home and the difference it makes. We've also heard the negative statistics of what happens when a dad is absent and what happens to the family. See, I believe that not only do we have the power to change the trajectory of our children's lives, but we have the power to make an impact in our entire nation, if not the world, because of the role we play. So how do we do this dad thing? What does it mean to be a godly father? Describing the role of the Christian father, George Whitfield, the great revivalist and theologian of the 18th century, states this, Every governor of a family ought to look upon himself as obliged to act in three capacities. As a prophet to instruct, as a priest to pray for and with, and as a king to govern, direct, and provide for them. Well-known pastor, author, and Christian leader, Vody Bauckham wrote a book entitled, What He Must Be If He Wants to Marry My Daughter. In this book, he states, two types of men stand at the base of Mount Everest. The first and most common type is the man that says, that's incredible. I could never make it to the top. The second type of man is the man that says, that's incredible. I can't wait to see the view from the top. Some men will look at the biblical portrait of a multi-generational family leader and say that the bar is set much too high. 
These men will continue to be satisfied with doing just a little bit better than our failing culture. But I think if we're going to be honest today, there's a cry on the inside of our hearts that say, I want to be great. I want to be the man to climb the Mount Everest of fatherhood. Like, I don't want to recline back, but I want to lean into all that God has called me to be and do for my family. When I was in Bible college, I learned about the, the five P's of fatherhood. Provider, protector, priest, prophet, and pursuer. When we think about provider, we think about scriptures like 1 Timothy 5.8. It says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for those of his household, he is denied the faith, denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, we don't use the word priest and prophet that often, but in its simplest form, a priest is an intercessor, one who represents his people before God. All it's saying is, dads, we're called to pray for our families. And as a prophet, a prophet is one who instructs his people in God's word. As dads, we're to bring forth the word to our family. And we get this from passages like Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7, where it says to diligently teach your children the law. Or Ephesians 6, 4, where it says to bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, I can look throughout my life and I can think of godly examples of men who played these significant roles in my life. As provider and protector, I think about my dad. One time I was, uh, had some, a friend spend the night. And in the middle of the night, we actually heard someone trying to break in the back door. So I jumped up, I ran to my father, I woke him up. I said, dad, someone's trying to break in the house. My dad flew out of bed with no hesitation, went running down the hallway, bust through the back door wearing nothing but his tidy whities and then scared off the would-be robber who actually turned out to be a raccoon. But he didn't hesitate. He was there, always doing his best to provide and protect his family. When I think about a priest and a prophet, I think about my beloved childhood pastor, a man who taught the word and stood for the highest morals. I remember sometimes he even took it maybe a little bit too far, like the time our church rented out of Mr. Gaddy's room to watch the Super Bowl. And during the halftime show, our pastor actually stood up on a table and blocked out the TV so that we wouldn't be contaminated by the worldliness of Michael Jackson. I also think of youth leaders who pursued me when I was in my rebellion and invited me to church and asked me to come and be a part. You know, when I think of all these different attributes of a dad, the reality is that we're not called just to embody one of these attributes, but we're called to embody them all. As dads, we're called to provide for our kids. We're called to protect them, to lead them, to pray for them, to pursue them. Even the model given to us of Christ in the church, that he pursued the church. We as fathers are to pursue our families in Ephesians chapter 5. 
Um, sometimes if we're honest, that weight is heavy. It's a lot to become and be for our families. I also remembered when I realized that men are fallible, that they're finite in their ability to meet the needs of their family. Like my dad, who was the strongest man in the world, broke his back. I remember I got the phone call from my mom telling me that I need to go pick up my dad who was in a hospital in East Texas. And my dad was a truck driver and primary provider for our family. And when I heard the news, I was nervous about what that might mean for us. So as I drove to the hospital, I remember walking down the hospital hall and, and as I was about to turn into his room, they were moving my dad with his broken back out of the bed and setting him into the wheelchair. And for the first time in my life, I heard my dad cry out in anguish because of the pain. I remember I recoiled. I drew back and a nurse asked me if I was okay and and I turned to her and I said, I've never seen my dad wear his pain before. And let me tell you, I've seen my dad take some heavy hits. But he's never wore his pain like that for me to see. It shook me. Or like the time that I found out that my beloved childhood pastor could no longer be our pastor because he had gotten caught in an adulterous relationship. Or whenever the youth leaders stopped pursuing me because they didn't think I would ever come to church. See, what I'm saying is, is that I've felt the experience of what it feels like when men let us down. Like you may be sitting there and thinking of all the times that you've been let down by different godly men. And, and what I'm trying to tell you is I realize that there's a heavy weight there. And sometimes we fall short. Dad, you may be sitting there today thinking, Desi, I haven't been doing all that God's called me to do. I haven't been all that God has called me to be. After I got saved, I remember thinking, not me. I'm never going to let my family down. Not me. I'm never going to fail on what it means to be, to be provider, to be protector, to be prophet, to be priest to be pursuer, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock it out of the park all the time. Like I'm going to press in. My family's never going to have to wonder where they stand with me. They're never going to be let down by me. I'm always going to nail it. But then I had kids. And I found out that this isn't just a nine to five. This isn't just a Monday through Friday type of thing. This is a 24-7, 365 gig. Like, this thing seems to never end. And as I was wrestling with this message, this Father's Day message, I was wrestling with God because I know the sinfulness of men. And I know the sinfulness of my own heart. I know how far I fall from the standard by which God is calling me. And God led me to one of the most famous parables in all of Scripture. One of the most well-known passages. And if you have any history at all in the church, this is going to be one of the most familiar verses to you. But I, I want to challenge you to lean in. I want you to grab a hold of this truth with fresh eyes, with fresh ears. 
See, I've taught this passage many times from many different perspectives. And the passage is the parable of the prodigal son. Now, I've taught it from the position of the son or the older brother. But today, I think if we look at the father, we might find a pathway to becoming the godly fathers God wants us to be. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open it up to Luke chapter 15. We'll be reading from verses 11 through 32. And it says this. And he said, A man has two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now just hold up for a second because the reality is that that's a really kind way to say that this dude took all his inheritance and blew it on prostitutes and alcohol. This dude did nothing good with his fortune. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired him, himself out to one of the citizens of the country. And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Now, in the Jewish culture, there really was nothing lower that this guy could get to. I mean, this is he's in the pig pen with the unclean animals. This guy has literally hit rock bottom. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving him anything. But then, but when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and I will go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion on him. And he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his but the father said to his slaves quickly bring the robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us celebrate for the son of mine was dead and he has come to life again and he was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate Here's what I want you to see we have a father who perfectly emulates what it means to be a godly dad. 
Like here's this son that's totally blown it, has taken his inheritance and squandered it, has nothing to show, has nothing to offer. And yet while he is a long way off, the father begins to run to his son to pursue him. Listen, in that time, in that culture, a man of his stature would never be seen running. But here he is running through the city, heaping upon himself shame and being indignant in his approach to his son, knowing that if his son were to walk through the city, he would be heaped with criticism from those that lived in the city. But he took it and he ran to him. Here's his son beginning to repent and to tell his dad how sorry he is. But it's like as if his dad's saying, I already know, son, I already know. And he, and he calls for the servants and says, bring me the best robe. And while the son is still with the stench of the swine on him, the father is calling for the best robe, not any robe, but the best robe. And he replaces the son's filthy rags with the best robe. Isn't that a picture of our salvation? Isn't that what Christ does for us? For us, He exchanges our filthiness for His righteousness? Has He not been the great mediator between us and God and made a way where there was no way? Is this not a beautiful picture of what God does for us? But not only that, He calls for the ring. The son having nothing to give, nothing to offer, no, no money left in the bank account, squandered it all, is given the ring, which is a sign of authority and power, basically like the father giving him a blank check to the estate. He puts sandals on his feet. So here's the deal. Man, if you're a dad who has leaned into your calling, you are walking this thing out, that your heart is rejoicing and you are saying yes and amen. But if you've been on the fence, you've been falling short. Here's the pathway. Be like the prodigal son. Here's what I mean. Come to your senses. Turn away from doing life your way. Lay down your pride. And come home to the Father. Exchange your weakness for His strength. Exchange your filthiness for His righteousness. Exchange. your life for all that he has for you. So today, dads, man, we're in a gym. It's hot. The picture of, a, of strength when we think of fathers. But here's the paradox. In order for us to be strong, we have to admit our weakness. In order for us to fulfill our callings, to lead, we have to follow. We have to follow our Savior. See, in this story, you and I aren't the perfect dad. 
or the prodigal son, but we have a perfect father who's made a way when there was no way, who takes our weakness and exchanges it for his strength. Let's pray. Lord, I just come before you. What I'm asking that you would do what only you can do, that you would soften hard hearts. Lord, that you would open the eyes of the spiritually blind. God, and today would men press into you, laying down their pride and grabbing a hold of the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.